is Christmas. It's a time to celebrate and get to the thinking about the Lord in a way that you normally don't do uh, the other 11 months of the year, but it's Christmas. And uh, I want you to uh, get excited and intentionally set your heart on the things above because it's Christmas. And as we move into the season, sometimes uh, we don't understand because we kind of take it as we take it for granted that as we go through things, we do this every year. So, But this year I would like to pray and ask you to pray that God would do something unusual in your heart, that this would be a meaningful Christmas for you, not just the same old, same old. But as we get into this month, I was, I was tickled, uh, was the word I would use. Uh, Thursday morning, Sandy was sleeping, and uh, for Thanksgiving Day, we are, Thanksgiving was at 4 o'clock, so I had all Thursday morning to do some prayer and study. And uh, the Lord laid on my heart uh, for the month of December some things that uh, are exciting to me and I hope will be for you as well as you come away with this theme of go tell it on the mountain. There's something, there's something that the Lord wants to do with each of us uh, this time of year and beyond this year. But uh, the the month is going to be celebrating, uh, it's all about the Christ event. And so we want to learn more and think more about what's going on. But as we think about uh, the announcement of Christ and this whole theme of hope, what Christ comes uh, to bring, what, what we receive from him and is coming is the shalom, the peace of God, uh, because of all the things that he brings and because of who he is. So let me begin by saying that Christmas and biblical faith, if you were to lock it into one word, I would use the word longing. It's the longings, it's the desires, it's the wishes of the heart. Not of your heart only, but of the heart of God himself. And so as we get into the the series this month, I want you to listen for the heart of Christ, for the heart of the Spirit, and the heart of the Father as we get into... uh, What's on his heart? And why did he do what he did? But Christmas and the biblical faith is all about the heart. And therefore, we would say things, as you know, we sing the songs, we wish you a Merry Christmas. The wish is a hope, a sense of uh, a desire, a longing that you want to have happen for others And so when you get to the point of Christmas, recognize you're at the very dangerous part where you're offering hope and disappointment. Because this is also a time of the greatest cheer and the greatest discouragement for lots of reasons. And for you, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, uh, Christmas was about getting and receiving. And so as a kid... Um, your Christmas growing up, uh, mine has been different. I, Christmas for me was basically getting the basics. Not a whole lot of toys, but my next door neighbor, he got the best toys. Always got the more expensive toys, the, the CO2 pellet gun. and the, uh, I got Green Army Man. He got the Civil, Civil War ba- battle, uh, gray and blue. and he, They always got better stuff than we did. But there are seven of us in our family, and there are only two in there, so I can understand that. 
But getting things is one thing. It makes you happy as a kid. But if you don't get what you want, uh, you have a different kind of emotional experience altogether. And so when we think about Christmas, um, a lot of times it used to be an element of surprise. You would, you would sit under that tree looking at those presents and wondering what was in there. And now you pretty much make your list. And if you don't get what you want, you get these little $25, $50 gift cards. The element of surprise is gone for a lot of people. But this issue of desire is a very strong theme for us as people because if you don't have the longing fulfilled, there's something that happens in the human heart when despair comes in. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you don't get things to go your way or things don't happen the way you expect, there's a, uh. And living with that disappointment is true for all of us because we live in a fallen world. But desire realized is a tree of life. And so the wonder of a child getting their favorite toy at Christmas is like, there's just a shriek. This is great. So Christmas is filled with both emotions. Um, but I wanted to go back to and, and lead us into understanding where we are in, in our culture and where they were in their culture. Let's go back 2,700 years ago in the Old Testament or, or even older when, when you have the promise, the promise of one who's going to come, who's going to be the Messiah. And so if you go back into Isaiah, you have a word from God which was significant for them because it touched their heart's desire. And so Isaiah would begin with there would be a root, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what, he, by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor. And he will decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. And the righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and the faithfulness the belt about his waist. This is the one Isaiah talked about, the Messiah, who when he would come, everything would change. As you listen to that passage of Isaiah, as a matter of fact, in the Christmas times, we, we, we run to Isaiah. So much is in the, the book of Isaiah. But when this one comes, it will not only be just a political thing or a national thing, it will be a cosmic transformation. For when the Lord does come, Isaiah says um, that it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the seas. And he will lift up a standard for the nations. When this one comes to lift up the nations, he not only does it with 
the political entities, he will do it with the kingdom, the, the cosmos, the animal kingdom as well. And therefore, the lion and the lamb, the violence will be removed. And it says, as you go into that passage, uh, that the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little boy, a little child, will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. The young will lie down uh, together, and the lion will eat the straw like the ox. And the nursing child, the nursing child, get this, will play with, by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, and the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When the Lord promises to send that little child, this little child will lead them. That little child would say, God is with us. That little child, the one that goes way back, even before Isaiah, to the story of Abraham, or to the story of Adam, where in the curse and the blessing of Adam in Genesis 3, God promised Eve that in your seed, in your seed, will come one who will destroy the destroyer. He will put his, he will, he will um, bite you in the heel as the serpent would bite, but you will put your, head, uh, your foot on his head. And therefore the destruction of evil, way back in the book of Genesis, Adam says there is one who is going to come who will deal with the things that destroy us. And that little child will lead you from the Adamic covenant to the Abrahamic covenant. When he who had no sons said to his wife Sarah, let's go, we're going to start the nations. Because the Lord has promised me that in you and in your lineage, in your seed, all the nations will be blessed because God will create that which is not creatable in the human level, but he does a miracle in Abraham promising that you will be the father of many nations. And so Abraham had faith, and Abraham believed God. And so that lineage from Adam to Abraham to David would become the lineage of this Messiah. Who is that little child? Who is that little one that's going to say, uh, I've got good news? This is the Christ child. And so the Old Testament is filled with, uh, with this anticipation of this one who's going to come and restore and, and bring the kingdom. Listen to Isaiah again, Isaiah 57, 6. I will bring my, to my holy mountain, and I will give them joy, joy in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Therefore, when we sing joy to the world, shouldn't we say joy to all nations? Or should we say oh, joy just to the Christians? Or joy just to those who believe? What's this promise about? This is about God 
redeeming the whole cosmos, calling the world to himself, but calling him, calling them to him because he is the Lord of righteousness. This one who is going to change the world, who is going to change the order of the world, is going to bring about the nations, uh, a harmony among the nations. And this is a passage again, inscribed on a wall across from the United Nations building. You know this passage. It's again a passage from Isaiah. That they shall uh, beat their swords into plowshares. And they will turn their uh, swords into pruning hooks. And they will not learn war. They will not train for war anymore. This is the high idea that this one who's coming, this messianic kingdom is going to do so many great things, but then nothing happened. For 400 years after the prophecies, there was silence. Can you imagine God speaking this wonderful promise of becoming quiet? And so for 400 years, Israel waited And they waited and they waited until one day that little child came into the world. And hope, hope again came into the world. And you see this all the way through the New Testament. When you get into the book of the New Testament, it is just pregnant. Sorry for that. It's filled with intense hope because there is one, a story that's being worked out on a human level, that's so divine. This one woman, Mary. When God wants to do something, he calls an individual. Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Mary, Joseph. There was a man sent from God named John. But they would all talk about the one named Jesus. And that little baby, when he was born, that little child would lead them. He would grow in wisdom, and he would grow in stature with, with favor with God and man. But this little child was just not an ordinary child. He would lead the nations. He would call them one by one. And therefore, he's called the consolation of Israel. What the Old Testament had prophesied, Christ picks up and fulfills. But as this little child was growing, there was a priest named Simeon. And Simeon was at work when Mary came through the door that day, offering the Christ child to be surrendered to the Lord. And so, Simeon, a righteous and devout man, he was waiting. Now notice the word, get the word, the consolation of Israel. What's that mean? Consolation. It means what Isaiah would talk about in Isaiah 40. Comfort. Comfort ye my people. Comfort. And say to my people, your war is over. And you will receive double for your sins. This consolation that God has not thrown you away. 
that God delights. He's always delighted. And he pursues you to bring you comfort, to bring you hope. And this one, Simeon would say, this, this consolation of Israel I have now seen, and therefore he could pass on and did. But as Jesus would look upon that multitude, when God looks upon the individuals to bring consolation, what does Jesus see? When Jesus looks in the multitude, Matthew 9 says that he sees the multitude and he wants to teach them. And so here's the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus comes up and says to you, you're messed up. Paraphrased, you're poor in spirit. You don't have what it takes. And I know your brokenness. And therefore, it's good that you acknowledge your deficiencies, your sins, your weaknesses, your faults, your poverty of spirit, because that's why I came. And he goes on in the Sermon on the Mount and begins to talk about a whole new orientation to the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God, Jesus would announce us here. But as he would look upon those multitudes, listening and learning, he would see them as sheep without a shepherd. People who were distressed and downcast, who had no consolation, who had no hope, who had no shepherd. They were on their own. Or they were marginalized. And as Jesus would look upon the lost, you know what he prayed for? He said, Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, people who have hope for the hopeless, who bring help to the helpless. And therefore, Jesus, he would leave the 99 to go find that one individual who was wavering in his faith. And yet this one, this Jesus, what Isaiah prophesied, what the, the men who followed Christ understood that the spirit of the sovereign God was upon him. And what was this little child to do? To proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. You see, when Christ would move into the world, he would move to proclaim freedom for the captives and bring the prisoners out of darkness. This one would not only change the cosmos, he would change the corruption in the human heart. It's called salvation. And therefore, they, they would proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. This is the grace of God coming with two feet, and his name was Jesus. He wasn't interested in religion. He wasn't interested in your performance. He wasn't even interested in your belief system. He was interested in you. And that's why he came. And when Jesus would come, not only would, he, would the Spirit of God lead him out, but he would also, Isaiah would say, that he would bring the oil of joy instead of mourning. This one would bring a change, a, a, a spirit of a, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks, strong oaks of righteousness. The planning of the Lord for the display of the splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient cities. The people of God, with the hope of God, 
in this Messiah would be the restorers. <clears throat> and therefore, you hear this message over and over again in the Old Testament, except you have to wonder, in our day and age, after 2,000 years of hearing this story, something's happened where people don't have the joy of the Lord and the restoration isn't taking place. And what Christmas meant has gone the way of the world and been commercialized. Who do you know? Who have you met this month, last month, last six months? Who has mentioned to you anything about Jesus Christ? When was the last time somebody came up to you and asked you if you were saved? Or asked about your spirit? Or shared good news with you? We are to be proclaimers. And yet we've silenced the message and substituted it for a commercialized system. Or we're more concerned about electronics and entertainment than about this consolation of Israel. What happened? What happened? Let me tell you what happened. Next week, I'm going to talk about there is one who does not want you to enjoy the delight of God. There is one who is out to destroy your hope. And there's one who is out to uh, really abuse your faith. We'll look at that next week because this one who tried to kill this child is still around and he's destroying many people's faith. And many people remain without hope. Even so, the Spirit of God is at work. And those who are hearing the Lord, who have ears to hear, will hear him. But next week, as we go into this, I want you to understand that you need to have the hope of Christ, the one who understands the battle that you're in, because that's why he came. And as we celebrate these good things, these symbols are great things. If they're not great enough for you to go out and proclaim to others, then your faith is very small, your hope is very small, and you'll keep it contained, which is what your enemy wants you to do. Well, for us, we know that there is peace and that those war, the war will come to an end when Christ comes into your heart. That hope of glory through this little child, as Paul would say, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. And that Christ in you becomes the one who gives you new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. And that one is with you, Emmanuel, God with us. He is our hope. He is our salvation. He is our one that's watching over us as our shepherd. It's to him we turn. And this, this month, I would encourage you to turn your face and seek him. Seeking you. Let's pray. Father, this month, uh, I pray in particular that you would do an unusual thing by having your spirit move me, move us, inward and outward. Father, if there's a chance this 
this December for us to proclaim the Christ's good news, that your spirit brings hope. Uh, Give us the boldness and the courage to speak up and use your people, but fire us up because you are the Lord of glory and you are the consolation where there is no other comfort. So Father, be our hope and use our lips and use our hands and use our feet to proclaim this news to those who are lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.